Hello, everybody. Today you have Jake and Seth, and we are going to be discussing the 2009 film Sweet Smell of Success. Seth, uh, this was your baby. Why don't you uh, lead us in here? Actually, quick, starring Billy Bob Thornton, Taylor Leone, and it was directed by, I think, the Polish brothers. Um, they also wrote it, it looks like. Um, so it didn't really... We should we watch the same movie? Oh my god! I watched Burt Lancaster, Tony Curtis, Sweet Smell of Success. Oh no, that is not what I watched. Okay, I was so curious. That makes so much more sense. Okay, people. For those who are listening, it sounds like for the first time ever, Seth and I watched different movies. Um, this makes a lot of sense. What movie you watched here? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I watched The Smell of Success. Oh, you watched The Smell of Success. I watched Sweet Smell of Success. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny here is even in my notes, it says Sweet Smell of Success. And... Hold on, let me see what smell of success is. No, no, no. You're right. Sweet smell of success is the film. For some reason, I had this. I had sweet smell of success in my notes. Okay. Yeah, for no, some reason. I'm just re- trying to see if I know of this Billy Bob Thornton movie. I think I've seen like a trailer for it. I have, I have not watched it though. <laughs> okay. Sorry, people. Yeah, we don't do uh, rehearsals here, as you can tell. So, well, you know what we're going to do, Seth? We're just going to dive right into it. You tell me. <laughs> First of all, I just want to clarify, Seth saw The Sweet Smell of Success, which, did this win any Oscars, or? It did not. Okay, so I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to go into this movie a little bit, just to get, like. Just for quick context, Seth, Seth watched the classic Burt Lancaster film. I watched some straight-to-DVD Billy Bob Thornton, Taylor Leone movie from 2009. Couldn't understand why Seth watched, uh, uh, so many questions for me. Okay, Seth. You first. We're gonna we're gonna discuss two films here. We're gonna bifurcate it. First, we're gonna start okay, with yeah. the sweet we'll, smell of we're success. Gonna roll with it. We're gonna roll with it for, in case anyone's watched. There's no reason you'd watch both of these movies back to back, but they do have similar names. And so, if if you ended up in this quagmire, you'll enjoy enjoy this very strange podcast. <laughs> the sweet smell of success. Um, Burt Lancaster, Tony Curtis. One of the great roles from Tony Curtis. Uh, uh, Kind of a, a coming out for him is what I would say. Um, gives a really gritty performance. Um, it's a movie that I was interested in because I, I know it influenced a lot of modern movies that I like. It was kind of overlooked at the time. I think it was kind of ahead of its time. It's it's the dialogue um, and the kind of like gritty New York aspect of it, it. It feels more like a 60s or a 70s movie than it is a 50s movie. And so I think a lot of critics didn't quite know what to make of it at the time. Um, but I know it, it directly influenced movies like Wall Street. Um, the screenwriter Brian Koppelman was heavily influenced by it. He's a guy that wrote he wrote the Rounders screenplay. Um, also, a couple other movies um, like uh, Last Man Standing. I think Brian Koppelman's one of my favorite screenplay writers. Uh, like of modern, he, he writes that Billions show now. He's one of the creators for that mm-hmm. show. And so I had heard him mention this. Uh, also, again, I know it has a direct link to Wall Street, um, the Oliver Stone movie. And so I was just interested in why 
these kind of modern people were, were always referencing this movie. And then when I watched it, it kind of made sense to me. Just really snappy dialogue. Um, it's about um, Burt Lancaster kind of plays this columnist um, for a newspaper called the New York Globe, which I believe is kind of a fictional newspaper. But he kind of works in Manhattan. He's a very, very powerful columnist. He can kind of make or break people, whether they're politicians or celebrities and stuff like that. And Tony Curtis is sort of this press agent. And so he would feed um, he would feed him news stories. And like he would get paid based on like the stories that uh, Lancaster decided to print. And then the, the, the basic plot of the movie is that Lancaster's daughter is involved with this jazz musician that, um, not, I'm sorry, it's not his daughter, it's his sister. And she's involved in this jazz, with this jazz musician. And Lancaster wants to break up the relationship. And so he uses his press agent, ex Tony Curtis, um, to kind of, he wants him to break up the relationship so that Lan, Lancaster's not involved with it. He doesn't want to be hands on with his sister. He wants it to feel like it's this press agent that's breaking up the relationship. And so, you see all these unscrupulous activities that Tony Curtis does. Um, it's the, the movie takes place primarily in like kind of steamy nightclubs um, in the fifties and sort of, it's all kind of like late night Manhattan type of stuff. And so you get to see this really cool, like fifties Manhattan setting. It's all shot in New York at the time. And so really cool to see like all the cars, you know, genuine cars. They're not like pre-made fabricated, like you'd see in the movie today and just all the different clubs and the, and the exteriors inside of Manhattan at that time. But it's all kind of shot at night. It's all kind of this salacious stuff. Um, one of my favorite uh, sequences in the movie is when Tony Curtis, he goes up to a different columnist who's kind of the rival of Burt Lancaster. And he tries to bribe him to write a story about the jazz musician to try to, you know, make him look like a drug user and make him look like, you know, somebody that, you know, Lancaster's sister wouldn't want to be with. The guy doesn't go for the bribe. And so he walks across the club to a different columnist and basically offers him up his own mistress to, to have like a night of sex with this mistress so that he can get a column printed about the jazz musician. And this is how he ends up marrying the jazz musician. But you just kind of see just the really unscrupulous activities that press agent might do in order to smear somebody of note. And it's also that he can just keep his access to Burt Lancaster, who's kind of like the most well-known columnist in New York at the time. And so just like, again, in the 50s, I think that kind of stuff was seen as a little too taboo, I guess is what I would want to say. Um, or just kind of, it was just kind of too, again, just kind of too ahead of its time. I, I don't think, you know, I think the 50s was a time of much brighter movies and much happier times kind of thing. And so to see this kind of like... It was the age of the nuclear movie. family. I feel like that's the the times people yeah. like, it's like the, the nuclear family, the, the white picket fence, the two kids and a dog. It's... Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, when you're kind of taking that time period and you're showing like, oh, this is what like really inside, you know, press agents and newspapers is like, and, and you know, what they can do to ruin people's reputations. I think that there was, it was a little bit shocking or just a little bit too blue, as they would say in the comedy world or something like that. And so, but it was, again, the dialogue is amazing. There's a bunch of really quotable lines. Um, at one point, Lancaster tells Tony Curtis, like, if I bit into you, you taste like an arsenic cookie. <laughs> it's just like all these kind of lines that are just like, oh my gosh, you know, just really brilliant writing. Um, and again, I could see how it influenced movies like Wall Street and Rounders, you know, these movies that kind of take place, you know, and kind of like it has smooth talking characters, but it's always kind of like just above the underbelly of like the city. And so it's like they're not quite criminals, but they're just doing bad things all the time. I was going to say this sounds super, again, I didn't see the film. <laughs> We're going to get into that in a minute, but uh, it sounds almost like Soderbergh-esque, very stylish, like it's like um, the people who are like either people who like 
so should be working for the law, but are bad, but are criminals, but you root right. for, or kind of like these, like, like people and on I the fringe. I think uh, Brian Kaufman was a writer for Ocean's 13, which is a Steven Soderbergh mm-hmm. movie. And so you can, you know, I mean, there's definitely parallels. You write that, that whole world. And so all that kind of, all those kind of movies today, I think do take a little bit from this sweet cell, smell success movie where it's like just the snappiness of the dialogue and the way the characters operate to get what they want. It's not, yeah. You know, it's like, it's kind of in between the laws and like, you know, I'm sure if they had a if, if a microscope was held up to them, you know, there's something illegal about it, but nobody's really going to catch them while they're doing it. And so, just a really, yeah, I, I just thought it was a really cool movie, um, especially just because it's kind of all just the power of the newspaper back then as well, and the fact that they held all the cards. You know, there wasn't like TV news the way there is now, or like cable news and stuff like that. And so, if a New York New York columnist printed something about a jazz musician, people just took that as fact, and it's not. It was just like, oh, that guy's a drug user. You know, it's like that's I saw it in the newspaper, and it's like the power they had over people's lives. I think was really interesting at that time. It's that's interesting. So interesting. I wish I had seen it. Uh, no, and that, again, it, very timely without getting too much into it. Uh, obviously, people know what's going on with Ukraine and the world right now, but like propaganda is playing a very big role yes. in that. And um, and even here, like every, depending what news source you get, people want to be told. People generally want to believe what they're told or believe what they hear. And whether it's modern audiences that are just being pepper propaganda or older audiences that just didn't that just took everything that was told to them by a publication or everything they read in the paper as fact. Um, that's, a, that's an interesting, it's very interesting and approach. And I'm also like, as we've kind of talked about, like America is always ebbing and flowing. I feel like between these like naive, like picturesque, like well, it's the fifties and the eighties were kind of like that in the early two in the nineties. And, or it's like darker times. Like right now, film last five, 10 years, films have been a little darker. 70s films were very dark. Like that's you say, like new age. Um, and even after like 9-11, like, like there's like always like it ebbs and flows, but it, I'm not surprised. It's funny. I was looking at it. I pulled this up. Uh, it looked like this film lost uh, actually almost a million dollars, maybe a little more, uh, despite having the less talent and being so well received. Well, not, uh, not well received then, but having such a long. And yeah, I think it was a movie that was really recognized kind of later on. And it, I, I think it was kind of like a cult movie for a lot of people. And so. At the time, again, I think it was, like you're saying, it was a dark movie, and it, it was just kind of like a weird time for it to come out, and so it just didn't gel quite with the 50s audience. Um, when American audiences like, are feeling good, you don't want yeah. to point out how shitty life is, like, and vice versa. Like, it's like, I, I'm, I'm going to lose myself there. I'm no expert when it comes to it, but it's, I'm not surprised it didn't do well in the late 50s. People were feeling good, very pro-US, pro-middle of the Cold War. They didn't want to be reminded about just how shady things could be especially the, the people you trust and real like my so my one critique on the movie um is sort of the relationship between lancaster and the sister um i think if it was made today it would come off as a lot more um uh creepy sexual, i guess is the word <laughs> yeah exactly and so they kind of it's it's briefly it's like barely touched on um but there's a couple times where it's like he doesn't want her to leave his apartment and he's like i'll protect you and this kind of stuff but they don't overtly kind of reference you know any kind of sexual activity between them but i think if it was made today that would be dialed up a lot more and it it would kind of help the movie a little bit because it's not totally clear why he doesn't want his sister to be with this jazz guy and what it's like it it just he just kind of comes across as like an overprotective brother in the movie but 
I think they would dial up that aspect of like kind of the incestuousness if you made it today and kind of be like, this guy has a really weird obsession with his sister and we need to kind of like dive into. And so it's like, I get that it's the fifties and they don't want to dive into that aspect of it as much, but that's kind of the one part of the movie I would say like would need some cleaning up um, because they just, they just kind of didn't want to touch on that too much. Well, without seeing the film, I'd say that's interesting. Um, that's interesting. T- my initial thought when I'm the, my fake producer hat would be that that would make it almost ripe for being modernized today. As you said, a lot of the things that were taboo then went on to be taboo now. Right. Obviously, the incestual street, that's still taboo. And that, that's something they could like update it or that they could elaborate on, um, which would add an extra dimension to that story. And kind of, again, I don't know if they want to turn off the audience, but like if they wanted something that was like that taboo and to make the audience uncomfortable... I think that would be open them up perfectly for that type of uh, for that yeah. would be an element of the story that I think would make sense about it being remade. That would justify yeah, it being remade. Definitely. And like the Tony Curtis role is just a really juicy part. And that's the part that I think if you updated, it would be super interesting. And I think a lot of actors would really want to play that kind of role because he's the one that's just like, he's, he goes into these clubs, he's manipulating people. He's manipulating calmness he's he's trying to bribe calmness he's trying to use his mistress to sleep with people so that he can get stories printed it's just like all those little machinations that he's doing i think it's just like it's so fun to watch him work the dialogue um and kind of work people in the movie and that's that's like the juicy role of the movie and so he was really the shining star to me like if anyone deserved recognition it'd probably be the screenplay writer and him with his acting because that was the part where i was like wow this is like a movie, I mean, it, it just rang, you know, it was still all ringing true to me in 2020. And so for it to be made in the fifties and for him to play that part and the writing to be that good still, I thought was really cool. And so I, again, I could see why so many screenwriters and kind of people that make movies similar to like this in Hollywood now were kind of like influenced by it. What would you have given it as a, as a rating? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, I would say, I liked, uh, I mean, I liked the, the setting. I thought they used New York as a setting really well. And so directing wise, I thought that was well done. Um, I thought, you know, I don't think Lancaster was quite as good as Tony Curtis. Tony Curtis was really like blowing people off the screen for me. Um, and so acting wise, he was probably at the top of his game. I, I would probably give it like a high seven, like a 7.8. Um, it's not like a great, great movie, but I do think it's really worth watching. And it's like only a 90 minute movie. It's really quick. And so if you're interested in like dialogue and you're interested in kind of like that salacious world of like the press and the politics inside the press, I think it's a great movie to watch. And like, if you're just kind of in that, you know, I also think another movie that's similar is like um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross and like some of that David Mamet type of dialogue. I think we're about to talk about a movie as well, but like some of his, his way of writing dialogue, very similar to what I saw in the movie as well. And so just, yeah, if you're into like that, those dialogue heavy type of type of movies, um, I think you'd like it. And so, yeah, I'll give it like a 7.8. That's, that's a great score. I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Anything else you want to talk about? Because uh, after hearing that, I, I am excited to see that film. Um, those are the type of films. I think those are the coolest films. Those old films are like when the dialogue, like when the dialogue it feels like fast or it's like still relevant. Yeah. And like we talked about this Casablanca, some of the other films we watch, like, yeah, I think totally. that's so cool. That's such a that's such a cool. I don't want to say like symbol. Like when I hear that, that's one of the things that draws me to a film because clearly it's well written, and that that to me is just really interesting and it's like exciting. And sometimes I don't always see it, but 
So I'm definitely interested in, in checking this out. And, but yeah, it's like there's something about when it still translates to, to, to modern day and it still just like hits you the right way. It's like it's just a it's almost like like recognizing like Willie Mays was good then and like he would have been good now or something like that. Yeah. It's like the fact that it would translate over time like that, I always think is interesting. That it's a t- that timeless quality is very cool. Yes, yes. So that movie sounded great. Um, I watched the sweet smell of success. You watched the smell of success, I think. Yes, no, I'm sorry. I watched the smell of, smell of success. <laughs> this film is about a manure salesman. Like it's very. It is about an heiress who takes over her father's manure business and tail that's tail Leone. The top salesman is Billy Bob Thornton and they're competing with the Malagro corporation, which is Kyle Mag- led by Kyle McLaughlin as their head salesman. And they are, it takes place in like the fifties and they're selling manure to just farmers in the middle of it's kind of, I don't know, like Kansas or just the Midwest or just anywhere USA um yeah let me, i think i should just elaborate so seth watched a classic burt lancaster film where there's a ton of google searches for and really came up and somehow i fell in the smell of success which didn't even make any money in the box i thought i, I think that, i'm not joking it doesn't even have the full cast on the wikipedia entry it's like missing three people there's very little information I watched it. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll be brief. I just again want to talk about why I watched this film because <laughs> when you hear me talk about it, you might be curious as to why I didn't catch on sooner. Uh, there are a lot of films around the time, like of high school and college, like Boondock Saints, Lord of War, Thank You for Smoking, Grandma's Boy, that were all like had no either like went straight to DVD or like we're in and out of the theaters without anyone noticing. And Seth and I saw a lot of films and like, I never heard of Brundock Saints until it was out of the theaters. Um, And so for me, like, obviously there are a ton of those films. That is a genre. A lot of those cult films, like that was the cult films, like from our generation, this was made in 2009, which is around then it's got Billy Bob Thornton, Kyle McLaughlin, Ed Helms and Taylor Leone and like all pretty big roles. So I, and it's like a comedy and I liked the concept. I think that's like a funny concept. It's like, they're shit, they're selling shit. It was so bad. It was so bad. I like, so I watched it in two goes. I fell asleep halfway through and I wasn't going to rewatch it. And then I was just like, no, that's not fair. Like I had a little time. I was like, let me just put a little more time into it. It is so bad. Like, I'm I'm not going to bore you with it, but. It sounds like you're giving it a low grade there, Jake. <laughs> I was, it was so upset. I was trying to like it so hard because I was like, you can't, like, Seth, you can't murder this. Like, Seth, like, seemed to really be excited about this. He like, like, you can't, like, and I thought this was like one of your personal movies. Like, oh, this is my, like, like I love Grandma's Boy, which is so fucking stupid. But like, I love that film. So I didn't know. All right, let me, I'm just going to walk few through things here. Tam. Tail Leone. So there's the rose manure business. The guy, the, the head, the guy dies. And apparently he loved all of his shit salesmen. 
But Taya Leone's his estranged daughter, who's like a scientist or a failed scientist. The business is in debt. So what she wants is she wants to motivate her sales guys to at least make a profit or to get some sales up so they can sell to Milagro, which is their competitor or salsa phenomenon. They're also competing with Milagro, led by Kyle McLaughlin. And so it kind of takes place. I was really hoping you would watch, like, I was really going to lean on you because I had a hard time, like, to just, like, identifying the film. Like, it starts off and, like, it's a comedy um, but like, it's supposed to be realistic. Like it's definitely sounds like maybe silly, but somewhat realistic. And then they, like the middle of the film just completely goes off the mark. They, they start getting in, um, like pranks wars with Milagro, their competitors. But like, it starts with like, there's a whole 10 minute scene or five minute scene where they're just airdropping in a bunch of guys, like, and like boxes of manure, like just all over, like apparently the Midwest or the state. And it's like, there's just like all this, it goes like, what is it when it like a film like takes place and like it's supposed to be realistic. And then it goes like almost breaks the fourth wall and then like tries to go back to being normal. Cause I don't know what you call that, but it's it, just bad it movie making. Like <laughs> Cause that, that, that's what this film was. And it's like hard to get into it. I'm not going to spend too much time. It's not really good. Um, if it, I'm, then it's a really weak narrative. It's a really thin story. Um, there's like no romance or chemistry between Billy Bob Thornton and Taya Leone. Taya Leone, God bless her. Like I like her in certain things, but like she has one tone in this film. And like she usually has one tone, but she can kind of like do some things with that. This film, Ed Helms is the only funny thing. His character gets boobs halfway through because he eats a giant carrot from the other manure, and he's got boobs throughout the rest of the film. Uh, and it's just like, it's it's a really stupid film. But with that being said, it's like it's quick, and it, the whole thing is that like all the salesmen are grifters, so it really sets up like there's like a lot of montages of like all these different salesmen, including Ed Helms, like pitching the people and like trying to sell them, like using their own things. It's hit or miss, but like there is a lot of humor from there. And like they kind of lean on that. They wisely lean on that a lot. So I'm going to give it like a, this is probably way too high, a 3.5. Like Billy Bob's really funny. Like Billy Bob's doing this swarmy, charmy thing. Like he's an asshole, but he's really funny. Um, And some of the skits are funny. Kyle McLaughlin's great. Um, but no, it's a really dumb, stupid movie that's like mildly funny. So like, if it's on and you're interested, even then you're probably better off watching something else. But like a three-five. Um, okay. I mean, I will. Yeah, like I would say, like the cast does look interesting to me. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't spread. Like, it sounds like it was the type of movie that just didn't have enough juice, and it just, or, or maybe the screenplay needed another working over that whole breaking the fourth wall and then trying to come back, I think is a bizarre move. Well, it wasn't like they didn't even like break. They actually did at one point, at one point they're just in the hotel and like a government like agency breaks down the door and then takes them all in. And then like, and they end up, there's like three do X machinas at the end of the film. that just like completely fix everything. Um, and again, it's like a comedy about shit salesmen. So I don't expect it to be great, but it, it, 
was one of the dumber movies I've ever seen. And I've seen every comic book movie ever made. So just consider that, including... No, no, it, was not, it was not my intention to have you sit through a bad movie, Jacob. Sorry about that. I shouldn't say that. It was entertaining. Like, I'm giving it a 3-5 now. I actually came out of it higher, like a 5. Like, I, I was like, after I was like, that's a 5. And then I started thinking about everything. I was like, no, nah. I was like, okay, this is pretty dumb. Um, but it was enjoyable. Like, Billy Bob, it, it's a great Billy Bob. Like, Billy Bob's in his prime, so he's just, like, basically carrying the scenes. He's in a lot. That was not an attack against you. I am just so glad that this wasn't the film you... <laughs> it makes so much more sense. Um, not a problem if that was what you wanted to watch, but I was just so confused. Like, and, Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of know my taste in movies a little bit, and so it probably... I, I can but, see it being a little confused. But what, I don't know why I was so... Because I saw both, and I checked, and then my mind just immediately went, sweet smell, or the smell of success. But I keep saying sweet smell. Like, I just... I would, I should, I should have told you, I should have given you like some actors or something so that, because it is a kind of a common title, I guess. There's a couple of films that would like similar titles. Seth, not your fault. It's never happened before. I think I've, I've had questions before. This is fully on me. Um, although I will say, probably one of the Stranger episodes. So do watch Sweet Smell of Success, people. Do not watch The Smell of Success. Agreed. <laughs> okay, uh, on to the next one. Right. <laughs> Seth, you want to say goodbye to your friends? Goodbye. Goodbye, people.